everyone, and welcome to the new Coast Town podcast. Revamped. The one that you can actually listen to. Uh, yeah, sure. Revamped and better than before. So, um, so first of all, let's talk about how manga artists are the only people that deserve respect on this earth. Okay, they are literally the only humans. Okay, I mean that, I consider that, that, that was a little bit of a left turn, but okay. Yeah, they're the only humans that I consider worthy of praise and value, and this includes um, uh, a. Uh, and I am also talking about. I also don't res- deserve respect, so I'm not singling myself out here. All right, everyone else other than manga artists deserves no respect in my eyes, and this is why, because manga artists work at least what were you like 150 hours a week at least, easily, easily, and um, uh, they create uh, wait, amazing wait, works. Wait, wait, wait. Are you aware of how many? Hours there are in a week? How many hours are there in a week? It's like 168. Yeah, they probably... Okay, well, they, they probably don't work 150 then. <laughs> Never mind. Um, they probably wait. work like 100. I mean, you could get away with 100, I think. Well, okay. They have to work at least like 12 hours a day, right? If they work 12 hours a day, they, w- they would have worked 84 hours in a week. Okay, that sounds actually real, right? Yeah, ha- I mean, it's not like a fake made-up number like what you said, but yeah. Okay, so they so they have to work at least eighty-four hours a week, and then what happens? You read the whole you read the whole uh, chapter in like five minutes, and you consume it. But the work that they put in is immeasurable. It's like it's like they're the most selfless people. They also get paid for what they do. I mean, that's a thing. Yeah, do they? Well, yeah, yeah. Everyone gets paid for what they do. Hopefully. I mean, there there used to be people who didn't get paid, but now they get paid. Wait, so they used to not get paid for making manga? No, I'm saying there were people in the world who didn't get paid for their work, but now even those people are compensated, unless they're in human trafficking. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. Okay. All right. So I don't know why I laughed at that, but um probably because it was funny. Anyways, so when they picked berries in the stone age, they didn't get paid, right? Yeah. So yeah. do you think Okay, I have a question for you. What? Do you think people should get paid for washing the dishes? In what context? Like, you know how everyone has to wash the dishes, right? But when you wash the dishes at a restaurant, you get paid. When you yeah. wash the dishes at home, you don't get paid. Do you think there should be some kind of dishwashing subsidy? Okay, so, well, let's break this down. At a restaurant, a dishwasher has to do way more work, probably, than someone washing dishes at their house, right? Yeah, I mean, but it's an hourly rate, right? So yeah. even the dishwasher at the restaurant still gets paid per hour. Yeah. I think they should get paid per dish washed. That makes more sense to me, right? Uh, okay, I don't. Hmm. Well, th- that seems like a uh, that seems like a really that's going to be used to exploit because then they're going to be like, "Hey, you get a penny for every dish." Yeah, like for example. Well, no, I mean it would have to be like 
why would anyone you know work for that if they were getting paid only a penny per dish like for example here i'm pretty sure like um most dishwashers get paid like $12 an hour or something but that's in canadian dollars so it's not as much as a us dollar it's probably like 950 or 10 bucks an hour to wash dishes but what if one hour you wash like three times the amount of dishes that you wash in the other hours don't you think you should make more money for that hour it just it just seems logical to me okay um yeah ideally yes because see this is the the thing yeah probably yeah because there's a really unfair system in place with restaurants because if you're a server right you get paid like what like uh not as you you, you might not get paid as much as the people some of the cooks and uh other staff in the kitchen but you get way more money because of tips or this applies to america at least i guess and wherever they tip yeah well i mean um, america's managed to successfully export its you know exploitative labor practices to most of the world so i'm pretty sure tips exist pretty much everywhere yeah, well not in the, the uk and stuff right why not no they don't they they don't in the uk yeah, I'm pretty sure in Europe they cover that because you, I think you're not allowed to give tips because that lets you pay people less than minimum wage, which is yeah. a thing in the U.S. I think they, they, they can pay waiters like five, $5 an hour and then say you'll make it up on the back end with tips. Well, here's the thing. In a lot of restaurants, they literally do. That's, the, that's why – because anytime you see like a, a thread about this, all servers – well, not all, but a lot of servers will come into the thread and say, hey – we actually like it this way. But see, the thing about this is um, that allows the servers to actually get more money than some of the other staff, like the dishwashers and stuff. So that's one of the things that needs to be uh, majorly addressed in restaurant work. Yeah, but I think that's kind of, sh uh, you know, like short sighted from the wait staff, because even if they do make more on any like if they could make more on some nights, like the peak is higher. The floor is much lower with this system, because what if there's like a whole party of just cheap people that fill up the restaurant for like two days straight, then you don't make any tips, then you're screwed. But if you have a higher minimum wage and no tips, you're guaranteed more money. So yeah. it's like, which would you rather take, more guaranteed money or like the possibility of more money? And yeah. in, in classical, you know, Ameri American fashion, they go for the possibility of more money. It's like um, there's a John Steinbeck quote where he says something like, um, there are no poor people in, in America, just temporarily em embarrassed millionaires. Like everyone thinks they're rich or going to be rich. Um, they don't see themselves as where they actually are. So it's like the waiters are like, yeah, I'm going to make 500 bucks every night because everyone's going to tip real great. But um, I don't know about you, but I'm a broke ass student. I don't really tip that much just because I don't have any money. Yeah, well... Um, okay, so I tip out of guilt. I actually hate the culture of tipping. I was just saying, um, as devil advocate for the uh, for the for the people in the system, I guess because that's, I guess if you have like a if you have a busy, I feel I feel like a lot of those comments and a lot of those thoughts come from people with uh, who work in busy restaurants who can get this. But yeah, you're you're right. They they should just eliminate the culture of tipping because it is stupid 100 percent. i what we what we need is a, is a restaurant revolution we need the wait staff to rise up um and yeah. seize the, the means of production and make their own food and then just get rid of the whole back-end staff 
and like integrate the front and back of house and uh, remove the, the, the power from the hands of the owners and uh, just con- take control of the restaurant. What do you think? Uh, yeah, full anarcho-communism is uh, a, yeah. Well, yeah, that's uh, exactly. what we need to go for. Uh, and every oh. and all the franchises, all the McDonald's, just need to close down and just become like uh, drive-throughs. Um, that way, you don't have to walk in there because it's always nasty. Um, but somehow, it's still faster to go into the restaurant than through the drive-through, just because there's so many people. Thoughts? Lim- <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, exactly. It's because everyone goes to the drive-through. I don't want to talk about this. And it. <laughs> It's it's like the it's like the preferred pass in Disneyland or whatever. There's so many people who paid extra for the pass that it's now just faster to go to the normal line. That okay. So when I was at Disney World, um, uh, oh, I have a story. I have I have multiple stories about Disney World because um, there was okay. So there was a line. There was the fast pass line, which was going kind of fast. There was the normal line, which was just filled with people. You're waiting an hour. This was to get on the rock and roller coaster in Hollywood Cityville, whatever they call that park. Um, so in the Hollywood park, it's like, okay, so to get on the rock and roller coaster, there was the fast pass line, which was going at a brisk pace. There was the normal line. But then there was like another line where you go with a party, but you're not guaranteed to sit beside the person you go with. Um, there was a point in the park where literally that line was empty. So we just went in that line and just walked through, immediately got on. And it was astonishing to me how much people just went to the normal line or the fast pass who had the fast pass. They just went there just because they wanted to sit physically by the person. And I'm like, okay, you're still on the ride with the person. What does it matter? So I just rode the rock and roller coaster like probably three times in a row because I just went into that line with my cousins and it was just like whatever we're still riding it this is this is how I feel about people eating meals together it's like I'm still eating food do we have to eat food at the same time like we're both physically at the same place eating food um like then you have to like wait for them to eat food or they have to wait for you and you're both kind of hungry, but you're like you you were more hungry to begin with, and you've ended up waiting like an hour, and they waited like ten minutes, and now you're both eating, and you're just not even talking to each other. You're just, just stuffing food in your face. What was the point of all that? You could have just eaten when you felt like it. Um, yeah, that was completely related to what you said, by the way. Not random at all. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. I hate. Uh, yeah, I hate eating together. People, I. Yeah, I just just take food to my room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel like there's a lot of wait 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 so um did, what happened to all the clothes on on that were on your floor are, are they now donated to the salvation army they're somewhere in bags i don't know but uh yeah they're somewhere <laughs> let's hope that whichever unfortunate child ends up with your clothes whatever six-year-old uh that your clothes actually fit that um they enjoy them yeah i i agree hopefully but um yeah so also in Disney World, I literally pull, we pulled this stunt to where um, so I wanted to ride the rock and roller coaster again because that was my favorite roller coaster. And I think I was like 12 or 13 at the time or maybe no 14. So, OK, one of those ages anyways. Um, so my cousin had my two cousins uh, had already been that they had both been they were at the beginning of almost getting on of the normal line because they 
wanted to at this point they wanted to ride together so what i did was i was like okay i want to get on with them so what i did was i literally just cut through everyone in line and was like excuse me i'm sorry i i lost someone i i lost something and i just this is a horrible i'm a horrible person for this i'm not but it's so funny i don't care it's funny so i just cut through i was like excuse me i'm sorry my my, my mom's up there i'm sorry and so i just literally cut through the sea of people to get on the roller coaster whore i'm ruining society yeah that's what i did i think we call that rule like the reverse morty you just pretend to pretend to be helpless and then hope someone helps you this could have backfired on you by the way some like grown woman could have been like come with me kid i'll show you where your mom is and then at the front you'd be like oh there's no mom here and be like oh shit i've been found out (laughs) i wasn't even see i wasn't even really like selling the act i was just like going super fast and was like oh yeah i'm i'm yeah uh, let me get through my, my like it was like brisk so people were more confused than anything like i bamboozled them like i just like like uh speed sympathied my way through the line i'm pretty sure that's like classic psychopathic behavior when you think the rules don't apply to you yeah it's probably yeah i mean there's all the evidence is piling up um have you ever sped down a road and looked at the the you know the speed limit sign and been like that's for mortals (laughs) uh no i always follow the speed limit perfectly basically out of fear i think oh i I see yeah, you know, the, you you've got the system wrapped around your pinky, jig. You should you should use this. You you cut the line at Disneyland or Disney World. The only thing left for you is to like take down society. That's that's it. It's a straight one two from there. You know, connect the dots. Well, this may relate because this is a story from elementary school where um I also took things into my hands. Okay, so there was this girl that I liked. Um, well, hold on, any backstory, right? So there was this kid who introduced me to Naruto. He was a Naruto fan artist. Very prolific, actually. He he spent all class uh, drawing Naruto ninjas. And um, basically, like, when we had reading time, he would just be like... He, he, he pulled this slick move. He got caught one time and started crying. But um, <laughs> he pulled this slick move where he had the book facing up, and he wasn't reading it. He was just drawing Naruto fan art on a piece of paper. This kid was a genius, so he taught me about Naruto, and this is how I got into anime, basically. And so, after this, I um, after finding out about anime, I took notice of the one Asian girl in my class, alright? Her name was Haley, right? And I got a huge crush on her. But there was a problem, you see, because there was one Asian boy in my class named Tommy. And Tommy and Haley were in love with each other. So wait, here's wait, what wait, I did. Wait, 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 Is this a real thing or were you just assuming this because you no, were really young? No, they were in love with each other. They spent all the playground talking to each other, flirting with each other. They they were like, you know, hugging each other. Like I specifically remember, okay? Okay. But see, but see I was in love with Haley and she only talked to this one boy. And so what I did was I decided to stalk her in the bushes. All right. So while this is this is already taking a a great turn for the better. This is so so much better. Okay. So I was stalking her. So I saw her. So there was like a weird gazebo on our playground at elementary school. And so I was stalking Haley and Tommy while they were talking in the gazebo. And I was looking at them. 
and I was not being subtle at all, and they clearly saw me, and Tommy was like, hey, what's that, who's that over there? And so, like, I, like, ducked further once he saw me, and they started getting really creeped out, and they, like, moved from the gazebo, and I followed them in this line of weird bushes, and so, there's this other thing that I did after that, so we had this thing called centers, like at our elementary school where everybody did a little thing. You were at your little cooking thing, and then there was a reading place, and there was a place where you could like do whatever children do when, you know, snot running out of their nose. And so Haley, so I saw, so she was sitting reading a book, right? She was reading an I Spy book, and so she was alone on the beanbag chair. And so I took this opportunity. I was like, I'm going to make my alpha Chad move. So I sit down beside her, right? And I take the I Spy book, like, like I, I move her hand. And so she has one hand on the I Spy book, and I have the other hand on it. And so I start turning the pages for her like a true man. And she got really creeped out and got up and <laughs> moved to another center. And so that's yeah, the story. I'm on her side in this. If some random dude just came up to me and started turning the pages of my book, I think I'd get up and walk away too. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously. Hey, bro, if you just want to read the book, you can read the book. You don't have to, like, manhandle me. It's cool. <laughs> no, but my but see, my thoughts in my uh, elementary school brain was, she's going she's gonna to like me because I'm helping her find the I spy things. Were you actually helping her find the things, or were you just turning the pages be like, are you done? Are you done? I'm flipping the page. i got to turn no. these pages, Haley. Let's, let's go. No, I was, I was helping her. But I was trying to guide her as well. Wait, guide her into what? You're trying to groom this this poor girl into what are you trying to get her to do? Well, I wanted her to like me. Oh well, yeah. I mean that that much is obvious with the page turning. Yeah. Did it work? No, it didn't. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously it didn't work. So Tommy and Haley are married now at that gazebo. Is that what your uh, head cannon is? I mean, I'm assuming so because he took a trip. I, I'm not kidding. He took a trip. Like to, I think wherever he was from, uh, it might have been one one of the Asian countries. I'm sorry if this sounds racist, but Q racism I, in three, two, one, and okay. let's jam. Da 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 da. But uh, yeah, I don't know. But I don't know where he was from. He was from China or somewhere. I don't know. But he at this took point, a... I think you should just press eject and just hop on that parachute. You think you've put yourself way too far into this to back out now? Okay, well, I'm being serious. He really did take a trip there and then come back, and everyone group hugged him because they missed him. That's it's a real story. What does that prove? That doesn't prove anything. I don't know. I'm just adding. I'm just adding. Okay, more I thought lore. you were trying to like come up with uh, proof that they actually were, you know, uh, a thing. I don't know. I'm just I'm just spitballing lore at this point. Elementary school lore. You might as well just add like Princess Bubblegum. You're halfway to Adventure Time already. Well, um, interesting thing about that is, um, complete. I don't know. I can't tie this into Adventure. Time. <laughs> I was trying to tie it into Adventure Time, but I can't. <laughs> you, I mean, you're like, you're like, I feel like you're fifty percent of the way there already. This is like the most Adventure Time story ever. When did Adventure Time? Hold on, Adventure Time came out in like 2010, right? I I don't know. Why yeah, would I know? Well, I don't even I have think... Cartoon Network. I haven't had cable TV since 2007. Hmm. When did I start stop watching cable? I probably I remember watching. 
it was probably 14 years old. Yeah, that's when I stopped watching cable, 14. Cause, and I was still, I would only watch Disney Channel, Cartoon Network, and uh, Nickelodeon. Yeah, it came out in 2010. Yeah, okay, so what what grade would I have been in? I can't remember. Fifth grade, probably? Yeah, yeah, probably. But actually, I, I, don't, I don't think I was super into Adventure Time when it first came out. I got into Adventure Time when I was in high school. What about high school uh, spoke to you and said, watch Adventure Time? Um, I just started watching a bunch of cartoon analysis and reviews and stuff. And, uh, I started getting into, uh, animation and cartoons and I was like, Adventure Time looks really good. Well, okay. Let me backtrack. Cause I, I was into Adventure Time. I did watch it a lot on like, but I didn't sit down and like watch the full series properly until I was in high school. So that's when I consider me having watched it. And I watched Steven Universe too. Yeah, I'm not really caught up on TV stuff. Do, so, do, do they actually like give you a chance to watch the whole series if you haven't been watching from the beginning? Like, do they do reruns? They do reruns, but I watched it on uh, Kiss Cartoons, so. Or an yeah. equally uh, viable legal source of cartoons. That's not that. Let's just no. pretend you said that. No, we don't use legal sites. Screw that. Uh, pirate, man, pirate everything. Okay, so in, in terms of, it, since we've now moved on to an actual topic, or whatever. Um, so Disney, since now they they own Hulu, the majority of Hulu now, um, they own ESPN, and they're starting their own streaming service called Disney+. Plus. They're like um, offering this bundle of all three of them. So you get Disney+, Plus, Hulu, and ESPN+, Plus for $12.99 a month. How successful do you think this is going to be with the millennials? Um, uh, probably, ma- I mean, probably massively successful. I don't know, like probably literally massively successful. See, that's the thing. That's the thing about uh, this capitalist uh, empire. It's like, if you can make, this is what Amazon is. It's like, you can make everything easier. So why wouldn't I just use that service? And then it just perpetuates itself. So if you're Disney, you can bundle and you own all the streaming services and you can bundle them conveniently. Boom, of course everyone's going to buy it and uh, you're going to rule the world. And, and Disney Plus is going to have all the, since they made Netflix cancel all the Marvel TV shows, Disney Plus is going to have all the new Marvel TV shows. It's going to have all the Star Wars live action series. Um, I'm pretty sure all the uh, animated Star Wars shows are going to be on there too because they own all of that. And um, every single Disney movie ever made is going to be on that, even the ones that they only let out of the vault for like, limited edition blu-ray releases and stuff like that yeah and you know they're gonna trickle them they're gonna like breadcrumb feed you all this stuff to keep you uh subscribed yeah but even if they didn't i think if even if they made it all available at the same time if you're like a parent and you have a little kid disney plus is way way better than anything um that you know you could give them as an alternative because netflix kids is pretty trash and YouTube, it, it could turn your child into, like, a psycho killer at this point. Yeah, like me. I don't know if YouTube Kids is to blame for that. I think that's just you. Yeah. But, yeah, see, it's like, and, of course, it's like, well, if I'm a parent and I'm working and, you know, my kid, you know, little little Tommy and Chucky and Angelica are screaming at me, like, pulling my hair out, and I hate my life because uh, I had kids and I'm stupid, 
of course I'm not going to waste all my money on DVDs because, you know, I got bills to pay. I got food. To, I got to feed these, like, shove the spoon in their mouth. So, you know, easy subscription. They get all their Disney things, and I can go in my room and, uh, you know, cry for four hours after working a nine-to-five because I have children. So, yeah, of course I'm going to get Disney Plus if I'm a parent. Yeah, and also, you know... This is okay. This is a completely random topic, but it just occurred to me. Um, you know how they have like a subscription box for basically everything at this point. What's a you mean like a like a, like a loot box? crate or like a Hello oh. Fresh, like a Blue Apron, something like that. I thought you were talking about like a Roku, like a box that you can oh, watch. You know, your... That's like a subscription streaming service. I meant oh, like okay. a, a box. They just send you a bunch of shit for that yeah. no one that no one wants. Yeah. Um, why don't they have one for like baby food? It seems like that's an industry that's ripe for, you know, some revolution in here. Uh, well, okay. The thing about all those loot crate and like blue apron and all those, they sell it to you as like uh like oh, you're getting like little novelty items. It's a fun thing that you like opt into. Baby food is like a thing that you like people view it as a thing that you have to buy to feed your child and so like they wouldn't they wouldn't be like oh let me do my fun little baby food thing like because it's like okay this is a necessity like i need like this is a thing that i need to buy so why would i why would i spend like it's not merch like why would i spend money like buying fun baby foods each month and have to wait a month to get it when when I just need baby food right now so I'm just going to buy one at the store. You know what I mean? It's kind of weird. Here, here's my counterpoint. So Loot Crate uh, is like based on you getting all this stupid shit that realistically you're never going to wear or use ever. Um, but like Hello Fresh and like Blue Apron is based on uh, you like cooking for yourself, which is apparently such a novelty that you have to pay someone to help you do it. Um so what if it was like performance baby food? Like this food is guaranteed to make your baby like 10% smarter than the other kid that lives right next to you. So you won't have to see your kid picking their nose. You could just watch the stupid kid from across the street do that and laugh at them because you have performance baby food when they were putting in like regular unleaded into their kid. Okay, so how human are babies? Because everyone says all this stuff about playing Mozart for your baby helps them. And all this enhanced baby food that we're talking about now, apparently, hypothetically. Does this stuff actually work? Or can you just shove mush in your baby's thing, like mouth, and then the end? Like, 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 or does it really matter what sounds they hear? Like, I, I don't under, I'm ignorant on this. So explain to me. I think, I think, I think, I think it's best to think of babies like advanced plants. <laughs> okay. So, explain. you know, like. If they, I think it's been like scientifically proven. It may not actually be scientifically proven. We're bro sciencing the shit out of this at this point. Um, but uh, I'm, let's just pretend that it's been scientifically proven that if you like sing to a plant and like touch it and stuff, it grows faster. So like in in, in a similar vein, if you actually put an effort into raising your kid, it's gonna work better as a plant. Like it's gonna make more fruit. Um, than a normal plant that you just kind of shoved in the corner and didn't even give sunlight. Um, that plant's going to grow up too. It's just going to look all fucked up because it's going to reach out to the corners to try to get sunlight. And its flower is going to be like a little green and fucked up because it doesn't have enough magnesium or something. Um, in the end, it's still going to grow up. Like if it's a plant and it's getting enough water, it's going to grow up. It's That's not really a problem. 
Um, but yeah. if you want that organic apple goodness, you have to put in the effort, I think. Well, okay. I'm not, I'm not saying we shouldn't put effort into raising babies, but where does the diminishing returns come in? Where's like, okay, can they really understand Mozart? Like, do we know for sure? Like, what are the specifics? Like, does this fresh organic baby food really help them that like, yeah, like I, I question whether some of this stuff is like, is it just marketing trying to get us or is like, is it actually helpful? Like, I don't know. I don't know anything about this. So I'm just like pondering, like, you know, I'm pretty sure baby food is a marketing scheme. Um, yeah, I because, think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm not just saying that out of my ass. Um, when I was a kid, I, there was no, there was only baby food for like the first four months or something, and then after that, I was just eating normal food, like normal. It, it is a, like a human; it can eat normal food that you eat. It doesn't have to eat like freaking Pediasure or whatever till it's six years old. That's probably not the best thing, because um, we don't even know what they put in that food, really. Uh, <laughs> you know, There's it may be the cheapest way to get food. some like uh, HGH or something some like performance enhancing hormones but other than that we don't really know what's going in there yeah yeah earl sweatshirt said it best there's lead in that baby food yeah exactly you know they're just trying to make it as cheap as possible why and why would you want to give your kid nothing but that for like years and years given that i mean granted if you if you do actually care about your kid if you're doing a social experiment to try to figure out you know whether baby food is a marketing scheme maybe like have two kids and just give one of them only baby food and one of them like actual real food and see which one turns out better. I think, okay, I think the point of baby food, like where the, where the, like the marketing, like incentive to buy it comes in is that your child doesn't have teeth. Let me just, uh, instead of having to mush up all this stuff, let me just provide you a cheap, like uh, consumable thing for the kid to eat. So, you know. Yeah. But I mean, if you're if you really actually like care, I mean, if you're health conscious at all at this point, I'm pretty sure most people have a blender or something to make smoothies with. Um, just because how popular smoothies are, it seems like everyone has a blender now. So you could just blend it yourself. You don't have to pay them to blend it for you. Yeah, I agree. You, that's what probably should be what parents use. Okay, but, um, okay, okay, parents. Okay, all the millions of parents who listen to this show. Here's my recipe for the perfect baby food. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Okay, so you, you boil some carrots, you boil some, some like broccoli, um, um, you boil some like, some like lentils, you know, lentils have protein that's good for you, and you like cook them all up, and you stick them in the blender, and you make a nice little like carrot broccoli lentil smoothie, um, and then you just feed your baby that, and it, it should probably be fine, and it probably also won't have a peanut allergy, so there's a bonus, there you and go. it probably will make them healthier and a happier human. Yeah, I mean, we all know there's lead in the baby food now. You know, you know, star reporter Earl Sweatshirt has told us that, so we can't yeah. like knowingly now feed our kids baby food. Yeah, it's it's breaking news that's less important than when the Lakers lose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, I I have uh, advice for parents. Um, this is the real best advice. Um, don't have children unless. But wait, 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 how, how, how is that advice for parents? You know, like if you, if they're parents, they already have kids. So are you talking about like prospective parents? Like people yeah. are considering it? I'm just trying to make them feel bad if they've had parents, if they've had children and they shouldn't have. Do not breed 
unless uh, you're not retarded and um, you have the means to raise your child effectively. The, the problem is generally when people do the do things that they like to do, um, an unintended side result is that children emerge. And in most places, um, there isn't an effective way to prevent that. So it's not really something you can just avoid, unless you're saying everyone should just be like celibate. Is that what you're saying? Hold on. Let me. Uh, well, here. Let, let's look up uh, cost of raising child. Hold on. I'm about to make my point. I'm about to make my point. I, I just need to. I just need to. Uh, okay. So lower income families are expected to spend around one hundred seventy four thousand six hundred ninety on their child. Okay. That's a lot of money. Uh, a coat is that, hanger is that a costs per year a lot cost, less. or is that over the lifetime? What do you think? That's uh, let's see. Uh, uh, while the average spends around, see, that's the lifetime. I guess I don't know, but, but anyways, my point is that's a lot of money, but a coat hanger costs a lot less. I'm just saying. All right. Well, I mean, a hysterectomy costs a lot less than the eventual surgery you'll need to get to repair that coat hanger. So you might as well just do that at the beginning, and then you'll avoid yeah. a lot of the stuff. Exactly. So, um... Well, actually, if you look at it that way, if that's a lifetime figure, you should have more kids. <laughs> Why? Here's here's my logic. Here's While well, I try to defend this statement. Here we go. Okay. This is the logic, yeah? So you're only spending 174000 That's like half a house... Half a really good house. So that's not even that bad, really. Um, so if you have like one kid and it costs you 174000 to get them from childhood to, you know, adulthood, um, when they get a job, even if they do get a minimum wage job, that they're going to make a lot more than that over their lifetime. So use your children as slave labor. <laughs> not, not slave labor. Just make them, you know, let it be known that, hey, you know, I, I raised you. Let, 50% of your lifetime income belongs to me. And if you want to, if you wanted to protest, you should have told me when you were being born um, that you didn't like these contract terms. What, what about uh, that? Oh, okay. So you're sharecropping them. It's like, oh, yeah, you're not in slavery, but basically you are. This is a tried and true system, Jig. It's tried and true. It's been tested. It's very beneficial to one party, at least. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on your wave. Um, legalize abortion. That's you Please. know what, you know what. If I can, uh, yeah, we're gonna, yeah, try to do a moral after all that, <laughs> all that. There's the moral to the story. Boom. This is the uh, conclusion we've arrived at after all that dilly dallying. Is like okay. Let's let's get serious for a second. Yeah, that's actually serious. Yeah. So since I don't have cable anymore, I don't get to see any of these presidential debates. I only get to hear about what people say about them on Twitter. How's that experience been for you? Uh, I I don't I don't have a TV anywhere near me, and I don't watch TV. And when I when I do, I only watch things on my computer monitor, and I only watch cartoons. Um, and when I do go into the living room, I watch cartoons on the living room Netflix. Um, so I have no clue. Do you think at some point we'll have to explain to kids what a TV is? Be like, Hey, this is a TV. We used to like all group up around this and watch stuff. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. They'd be like, Oh, is it like a really big phone? And be like, yeah, yeah, it is Tommy. Yeah, it is. Dude. I, I, I'm full zoomer. I, I actually watch things on my phone in the morning. Like, because I don't want to turn on my PC. I will just pull out my phone and watch anime. I do okay, that Okay, so, I mean, 
I'm probably like, I'm like, it's a meme that I'm a zoomer at this point, but let's, let's pretend for a second that I am right. Um, my morning routine consists of this. I wake up, I stick my wireless headphones in my ear. I take my phone out, um, plop open to whatever YouTube has at the top of its feed for me. And the machine learning has gotten so good for me at this point that I just can click on whatever's there. I don't even have to open my eyes. And then when like the sweet sound of some YouTube tryhard pops into my ear, um, I then wake up three minutes into that and then just continue doing that until I feel like waking up. So from morning to night, I'm basically just watching YouTube. The, um, I'm similar, except with me, it's um, I can understand that because when I wake up, right, here's what I do. Um, my phone is beside me on a red chair that I use as my bedside stand. So my phone is beside me, always charging. I always charge it through the night. I pick it up. You know, that's like really bad for your phone battery, right? Oh, really? Okay. Well, I well, mean, actually, you're actually doing what you're supposed to be doing because consuming is like our everyday job, right? So by making your phone um, bad quicker, you're actually just speeding up your purchase of a new phone. So you're doing your job technically. It's fine. Yeah. Support capitalism. Anyways, so... Um, just kidding. Uh, but uh, anyways, so, um, uh, well, anyways, so keep going, um, keep going. You were on a roll. I interrupted you. Go ahead. So I, so I wake up, um, go on Twitter, uh, you know, get bored. Um, uh, then I look at some family friend content. <laughs> and then I uh, do my uh, due diligence. Yeah, you just I... <laughs> you, if you wanted to be more efficient, you know, we do live in this efficient system where people encourage us to be more productive. You could just combine step two and step three and just look at oh, some family friend content on Twitter, and then you'd be fine. And then you could just keep going. You know, does, know. does your day just end right there? You go back to sleep, wake <laughs> up, and do it again. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, at the end. That's pretty much all you need to know. That sounds convincing. Do you then, like, in your in your sleep, draw the wholesome family friend content that you saw? Is this like a like a, what's it called? Memento type situation? Yeah, I I've actually had. Well, I don't I don't want to get into weird dreams. Never mind. That that's oh please. I mean, yeah. this podcast is not old enough that we can get away with talking about dreams for hours and hours. Yeah, that's true. We're, we're, we're trying to gain subscribership at this point. That's why we're talking about uh, morning routines and what you should feed your babies. These are all very interesting topics. Clearly, but um, yeah. What were um, you going to say about manga? You had some topic to talk about manga. Was it just that manga authors are unappreciated or underappreciated? I just like manga a lot and I'm um, just reading it. I'm reading uh, Inuyasha. It's okay. Yeah, I, I fall, I've kind of, when I, <laughs> I, 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 I breeze through like so many chapters of manga that now I'm stuck with nothing to read. So I'm reading like weird manga that nobody's even talked about. And I'm like, uh, what do I do with this knowledge that now I've read this manga? Do I tell people about this? Only to have people be like, the only people who would care about it are people who already know about it. Who would tell me like, oh, you dumbass, you only found out about this in 2019. I've known about this since 1984 or, or whatever. Um, and people who don't know about it already will be like, yeah, I'm not reading that. That's way too obscure or whatever. For example, 
Um, Katsuhiro Otomo, the uh, director of Akira, made a, a manga about a, a like Japanese martial artist who moves to New York and sets up a dojo in New York. Um, and he teaches this black kid um, karate, karate or whatever, however you pronounce it correctly. Um, and then he gets like, it's like all his adventures in the 70s and 80s drug riddled New York, which is like one of the weirdest manga I've ever read. But it's like, what do I actually, who do I tell about this? So I've just decided to talk about it here. What do you think? Why don't you, why don't you tell me? Like, that sounds like something that I would love. Yeah, I, I forgot the name of it already. I read all this manga, like, right before I go to sleep. And then I just forget all the names of everything and just remember, like, the vague plots. Um, yeah, I, I have no idea what it's called. Yeah, just tell me about whatever uh, weird manga that you read because I want to read all of it. Um, because, uh, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, okay. Oh, I have a topic. Here we go. We're, we're an hour in. We finally have our second topic. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Um, so, you know, I went to this like um, this like YouTubers con last week. Um, it's the only reason I went is because I've been watching their videos since like 2012 or whatever. Um, and over the years, they've gotten more like more and more successful. They have like almost 9 million subscribers at this point. But back then they had like 200,000, I think, in like 2012, which is actually kind of a big deal in 2012 to have 200K sub- subscribers. So I've been watching Linus. The, for the channel is Linus Tech Tips for uh, people to understand what I'm talking about. So I went to this con. Um, I think it was week the week before. It was last. It was July 27th and 28th. I went both days, um, and I, I I haven't really been to a con before just because there's not that many cons here, and the cons that are here I don't really care about. Like the only other one is like Annie Revo. Um, which is expensive as fuck. It's like $60 for a day pass. Um, and there's no fucking way I'm paying $60 for a day pass. That's just stupid. Um, you could probably go see like an actual musical act for way less than that. Um, and I'm not going to do that just to get the opportunity to buy some physical, which physical media I have another rant about. That's the kind of the point of this whole thing. Okay. So, um, so I went to this con and I like the first day I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. You know, like all these, tech YouTubers are here, like the people that I've been watching for a long time. Um, and then, and then like five seconds later, it, it like I see 75 people talking to them like, Oh, Oh shit. This is like, even if I do go talk to them, it's just going to be an annoyance. And there's no, like, there's, even though you can say you met them, you haven't really met them. There's, there's a, it's a one-sided, uh, meeting in the case that they are ob- like obliged to talk to you, but you you want, you're the only one who wants to talk to them. They don't really want to talk to you, really. And I don't think you can really meet someone, or it can be a meaningful meeting unless both parties are interested in it. Call me old fashioned or whatever you want. I just think that that's the case. Like, if it's not if you if like unless they're interested in meeting you in some sense, then really it's just you like imposing yourself on them. And it's it's like walking up to somebody at a restaurant, being like, "Hey, can I get a picture with you while they're eating food or whatever?" It's just slightly less intrusive. So. Like five seconds into this con, I'm already like disenchanted with this. Um, so the rest of the weekend, I was just wandering around, like thinking about how shit cons are. And then it occurred to me that like the whole the whole message of the entire con was like, buy our, our buy our merch, support us in and be, show us in a physical sense that you support us. Like, and this made me hate all cons even more, because um, at this point I'm like, why is this the way that people show support for you? Do you get what I'm saying? It's like we're in the system where um, 
physical support is just means like throw money at our face. And at one point there was like a competition to see who has the most amount of um, branded merch on them, like on them. And they were like literally calling people out of the audience and being like, this person has 16 pieces of merch on them. And this person has 14 pieces of merch on them. I was like, this just reminds me of all the people who buy posters and manga and all the deep Blu-ray DVDs and everything just to show that they like a show. Um, and I'm like, what is the point of this? Um, are you just doing it to give money to people? Because like the more money you give, the more you support someone. Is that what we're trying to get to here? Because isn't that like the most unwholesome thing ever? Because even if you're like the biggest fan of a show and you know like every, you know, like every episode line by line, at the end of the day, if you don't have enough money to show that you're the most, uh, you know, physically attached to this, if you don't buy all the Blu-rays and all the merch and everything, you're still going to fall behind someone who just has more money but doesn't even care about the show. Is any of this making sense? Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing. It's like the reason that it, that's the way it is is because, I mean, in a system, I mean, this this is a system of capitalism. Like, they, like, you can't, like, okay, so money equals, like, more success. Like, okay, speaking very generally and broadly, like, let's say money equals like better like oh i have more money that means you know i am better so the only way to like because because you're right it's like okay i'm going to this meetup but it's like it's one-sided it's like uh it's like going to see an idol like it's like japanese idol type culture it's like oh i'm coming to see you because i support your work it's like okay uh gotta pay 60 dollars for the past i gotta give you money to support your work like that's the like in this system that we're in that's the like you can't have a personal relationship with the all of these artists necessarily, so that is how you show your support. Like it's like unless the system is fundamentally like changed or slowly sort of morphed over time in some way, or we come up with more interesting ways to support, then that's just how it's gonna be because that is the ultimate way to show support under the system. If you, the system has created this so so if i so if i say okay i want to show my love and support for uh uh whatever uh death note uh, well how do i do that uh i i buy all the death note volumes you know if i want to be a big manga fan how do i show support uh i buy all the manga because or at least i buy some of it to like to have a physical thing because that's the only way to do it you know, unless you know, unless I know Rumiko Takahashi and I can call her up and uh, ask her and form a bond with her over why she wrote her manga in Yuasha like this, then the only way that I'm going to support her is through buying her thing. Like, Yeah, I feel like ideas are like the opposite of uh, a capitalist system. Like, for example... If some like um, if someone leaves a comment on one of my videos being like, hey, you did this and this, which I didn't like, or like, have you thought of this? Have you like considered this angle to this particular thing you were rambling on about in this video? I think I'd find that more valuable than someone just giving me five bucks and being like, good job. Well, I mean, I would find the the comment more valuable from an intellectual standpoint, but that mean I mean. I mean, the money is better <laughs> because like, 
I mean, okay, I shouldn't say it like that. It's like the money equals more tangible success. I mean, in the system, like clearly, like, I, I mean, okay, so like, oh, I had a point, but I forgot it. Um, okay, it's fine. So I get what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you rubbing your temples right now? I can kind of feel it. Yeah, I am. Hold on. Uh, I had a thing that I was about to say. Have you tried banging your head against the desk? That might shake something loose. Yeah, I shouldn't do that. It Stuff will start falling apart, literally. But um, I think that's called a concussion. <laughs> Anyways, continue what you were about to say. So I was just going to say, like, I get what you're saying. It's like when somebody gives you a gift card to a store instead of, like, giving you cash. It's like, yeah, this is nice. If I want to go to TJ Maxx, you could have given me money, and I could have chosen to go to TJ Maxx by myself. Or, But now you've given me a $20 gift card. Thank you for this obligation to now go there and give them this, which is not going to be enough for even one, like, T-shirt. And I have to give them more money anyway. Um, that was a sidebar. Um, yeah. I get the point. Money's useful. Um, and I feel like the only reason that we're even concerned about this is because uh, the platform that we're all on, um, which I won't mention by name, uh, is like unable to support anyone in any meaningful way. So they have to turn to like side ventures to get that done. Because if, if, if I feel like just making stuff on here was enough to support you, you wouldn't have to worry so much about who gives you five bucks and who doesn't. Yeah. Um. Here's a, here's a, okay, I, I, I remember the point that I was about to make. Um, so, one, one thing that I sort of, uh, there's a train, I'm sorry. There's a train outside your house. There's a lawnmower outside my house. So, I mean, we're one for one. It's fine. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, that I sort of, so, okay. If. If not for release dates, monetary support, well, I don't know. I don't want to say. I, okay, all right. Let's let's say that this isn't a, a finalized thought or the finalized idea. Let's say that this could be wrong. What I'm saying, but let me just propose this. Uh, okay, go for it. So, if if not for a capitalistic uh, motivation uh finalized release dates and uh we live in a society man i feel like uh ideas would not form into anything meaningful so so let's so let's so let's say for example like emily dickinson right she wrote all this uh writing and all this poetry but she never released it and never intended to release it these were these were essentially, for all intents and purposes, these might may have well may as well have been like nothing until they were le- released because they they didn't come out to the world. You know, obviously they came out retroactively, but but let's say well, let's say they never did. Let's say her family never published her work. For all intents and purposes, these would just be lost and would have been nothing. They would have just been ideas because they were never put out in any meaningful way. So. The system of capitalism and the system of consumerism enables ideas to be formed into things that can be seen and appreciated, even if it is in some esoteric sense, right? Even if it is in some weird, obscure art gallery that you could only see 
if you go at this certain time, even if this is this weird art piece that you can only see at this certain time, like a uh, hero, uh, hero, you whatever, Araki, the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure guy, right? Only had uh, art in the Louvre for a certain amount of time. And this is actually how a lot of things in the Louvre work, right? There's only limited release art uh, art in the Louvre. That That is a very esoteric form of release, but it is made possible through capitalistic uh, uh, incentive. So how, I guess the question is then, how do, how do works of art get seen and become real in a sense without this system? How can we change it so that there's a new system. Yeah, I, I, I follow what you're saying, but instead of uh, real, I think I would say done. I think I would say rushed, like uh, finished. Because I, I feel like if if you didn't give people an incentive to finish what they were doing, I think they'd just keep doing it forever. Because until you finish something, it doesn't really leave your system entirely. And even after you finish it, I feel like it takes a while for all the ideas that you were, that you were channeling into that one particular thing to just kind of like go away and for you to work on a new thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like, for example, since you gave the example of Emily Dickinson, I'll give the example of Franz Kafka, who didn't want any of his writing to be published until after he died because he was afraid of backlash from his family um, and people who he knew. Um, so for someone like him, he saw none of the benefit of his own works, even though they're like they've sold millions and millions of books and they're taught in like every school everywhere. Um, he saw no benefit from that. But um, the idea of having to finish things in some way, I guess, helped him, you know, write all the stuff that he ended up writing. Because I have a friend right now who's writing a book or rewriting a book for like the 10th time or whatever, and he's been working on it for like six years and he, he wants it to be like a five-book series, um, and he wants it to be published at some point. And, but he's reached that stage in his development where he's like, okay, um, enough publishers have not shown interest in this that I might just self-publish this. Um, but he still wants to finish it in some sense. But there's no real like economic incentive for him to do so, and I think that's what's keeping him from actually finishing it and putting it out the door, um, moving on to book two, because he's still working on book one. He's written all the books to some degree of finishing but he hasn't finished any one of them really um so he's rewriting book one again and if he had some kind of like book deal where someone said like oh you have to finish this book by november this year then i feel like he would be more motivated to finish this one regardless of how it turns out and move on to the next one yeah i agree that's why this is part of the reason why um people say when you're starting anything don't try don't try to write your big novel you know don't try to uh, make your don't try to make an mmorpg you know etc like you have to start off with small things uh speaking finish, of mmorpgs th that ju that genre went like that that bubble burst real quick okay keep going <laughs> yeah um um my video which uh is about uh the game updates um I, I discuss uh, a lot of this, right? My my concern with game updates is uh, uh, basically I I don't I don't see I don't think that it's good to release something and then constantly iterate upon it because I think this is the I think it's a problem like because 
if you if you just keep iterating on one thing, you're never going to get to the next idea, basically. Okay, but you know, you did say you're a huge manga fan, and long-running manga series are basically that. They're just iterating on the same few ideas over and over again. Yeah, they uh, they are, but um, well, yeah, they are. I mean. Like, yeah. <laughs> for, I think I think in recent years, there's been more of a trend towards like manga that run for a few years and then are just done after they tell their story. Um, Fire Punch, which is a manga we both like a lot. Um, Promised Neverland is starting. the It's like last arc finale. It's only in like chapter 140. And be, but before when a manga was super successful, like Naruto, you know, the ones that everyone talks about. Um, those ran for like decades and there was no real end in sight until after they had like, you know, passed their peak in popularity and they were on their way down. People were like, we should probably give this a graceful ending before it ends up just being, you know, people just end up getting tired of it. Um, I feel like we're moving toward a state in manga where people are okay with ending something before it's time, like before it's completely um, past its prime. And I'm fine with that because that kind of contributes to what you're saying by like, moving on to the next idea you're making it so that the old one doesn't like live past its intended purpose um but at the same time we both read a manga called samurai 8 which is the the new manga from kishimoto the guy who did naruto and it's not that good so there's also like all the chapters no i only read the first chapter and i didn't feel like reading past that oh it gets worse (laughs) (laughs) well okay i i thought i thought of something so um I actually kind of disagree with you on the manga point, actually, because um, that is that to me is serialization, right? So, all right, so One Piece has nine million chapters, um, but chapter one is a finished work, in my eyes. Okay, so the the uh, if see if Oda like. If it was a digital, let's say if it, let's say it was a webcomic, and um, twenty years later, which is literally now from when <laughs> One Piece started, basically. So let's say right now he he's still working on the current One Piece chapters, but let's say he said, "Hmm, you know what? Let me just uh, update the old ones and draw this character in the background, and then boom! All of a sudden, this new character was in the background of chapter one, which is." the completed chapter one is the completed finished chapter one of one piece if he then went back and added a background character into it that is what's happening with game updates that 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 is the the issue i have yeah but what if it was like but instead but you're basically talking about revisionist history which i also don't like when people revise their history to Make it look like they did something else, you know, different from what they actually did, like editing which, your, uh, yeah. like posts or whatever it is, right? Uh, yeah, people which have been I've asking done. for an edit function on Twitter forever. Um, yeah. But like, I know what you like. For example, like you, this is the example you gave, which was like George Lucas adding in things like making making it look like Han shot first and stuff like that in yeah. Star Wars, um, and like digitally remastering stuff, uh, adding in and removing parts which he didn't like from the original Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that, but for example, there are other updates that are beneficial. Like the example you gave, chapter one is a finished product, but when they put it in the weekly, um, you know, Shonen Jump, the art is very different from what it lo- ends up looking like at, in the final, 
volumes because they clean up the art a lot. And if you've read anything, any show, any like manga week to week, you know that the art is a little more janky than it looks in the final volumes. Yes. So, you know, there is some level of retouching and revisiting that can actually help something like that. Well, see, the, what I would say to that is you can still find the original version online. You can still find the original scanlation somewhere. If you, if I'm playing uh, Borderlands 2, I just looked at that game on my desktop. Uh, if, if, you, if I'm playing that, I can't play the first one without the updates. But what updates would you want it to play without? For like, it, but, it doesn't but there matter. is a it, it, there it is an example matter. of this coming back though. Because look at like, wow, World of Warcraft is um releasing classic servers now for people who wanted to play without the updates. Yeah. Well. Okay. But they, it doesn't matter which ones I want to play without it. I can't play the first release. That's the point. And WoW Classic is you probably see. Here's the thing. World of Warcraft has been going for 15 years. It's updated so much that it's had so many expansions. So let's say, so let's say I want to play, uh, oh, I want to play the old World of Warcraft, and I boot up WoW Classic. But but see, I but let's say I started playing at uh, uh, Burning Crusade. I think that's one of the expansions. I, I don't play WoW, but um, yeah, I feel like most people liked it up until Burning Crusade, and then they complained about stuff. Yeah, well, like let's say I want to play WoW with a specific expansion. I can never play that version of the game because the game has had so much updates that it's basically been multiple different games over its 15 course run and so if i want to play a certain version of the game i can't so it's like how do you even the game's been updated so much that how, how do you how would you even preserve that history like you you would need like you would need theoretically to set up a game museum right and you would need to have fresh installs of every WoW update, and then cut the internet, and then put this like computer with this version of WoW on display somewhere. But then even you, but even then you couldn't even play it because you need the internet to play this WoW server. So it's like, how would you even? How do you preserve that history at that point? How do you do that? Well, I mean, before they had WoW Classic, the reason they made WoW Classic in the first place is because there were so many successful private servers. Yeah. So the private the, servers, I mean, it's, it's like, like you said, you can find the original scanlation somewhere out there, right? So, yeah. and just like that, there were all these private servers that let you play 1.2 or 1.3 or Burning Crusade or whatever you wanted to play. Um, and then they had so much success that, where, you know, Blizzard was like, okay, we can't allow this because all these people who are paying 10 bucks a month to this private server to keep up their, you know, like hosting requirements, um, they could be giving us money. So why don't we give them something that they want? And then we could get back, you know, like money. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but there actually I, is a game museum that preserves old stuff. Um, and recently, not that recently, maybe like a couple of years ago, maybe 2016 or something, there was a like Supreme Court uh, like ruling that passed that said like if a person wants to uh, like run like um, a private version of a game that no longer is available for sale, they can do that and it's considered legal. It's considered like preserving something. It's like a museum curation type um, exemption for that. For example, there was a game that I used to play when I was um, in fifth grade or sixth grade or whatever called X-Steel, which is like this mech-based fighting, not fighting game, but like team-based mech capture the flag and like objective-based games, which just does not exist after the year 2010. Um, and there's a pretty active community of people who 
liked it. So I'm pretty sure this is all like middle-aged people at this point. Um, but they all want to play the game just because it was so fun. And they've managed to like reverse engineer the the client from like a few people's installs. Um, and they actually have it working now where you can actually go play on it, right? To me, mm-hmm. that's like a victory in, in terms of preserving video games. And absolutely, that's something that you need to do more of. And I don't know if there's something you like for Borderlands, for example, I'm sure you could find an old version um, in not so legal ways that you could play, but you wouldn't get any of the online functionality or anything like that. That is that is that the problem that you have? Okay, it's the 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 problem. It's 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 it's. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to say it in words. Just convey um, it to me in thought bubbles, and I'll try to put it into words. How about that? Okay. So, the the problem is, well, yeah. Okay. Essentially, that is kind of the problem, uh, kind of because. Uh, just just shout it out in word concepts. Dude, I'm hungry. I know. Me too. I haven't eaten breakfast either. Should we talk about breakfast again? We already talked about baby dude, I'm food. So hungry. By the way, please actually cut out that part about uh, my morning routine, please, because I don't. No. Oh I'm no, no, it's too cringe. You, no, please. You, you knew what you were getting into with that, cut. right? I mean, come on, you didn't okay. even say anything that bad. It's okay. I mean, everybody Dude. knows everybody does stuff. It's fine. No, I. But it's weird. Please cut it out. I'm embarrassed now. But do you have the timestamp of when I said that? No, I have no clue. Oh my I mean, God. if you want to listen to it and tell me where it is, then I'll cut it out. But I, I'm, I'm not going to listen to all I'm, this again. I'm going to do that. Well, do you know that. we're keeping this part, though, where we talk know, about something that's no longer part. in the show. This is so. This is a train wreck. Okay, do you want to talk wreck. about Chicken McNuggets now? No. What? I. Uh, okay, sure. What, what do you have to say about Chicken McNuggets? Okay, so Chicken McNuggets, I feel like when I was a kid, were this like magical thing. That was like warm and when you bought it at the store you just like dipped it in the sauce and it was like so great and it was like soft and you didn't really have to chew and you just had like chew it like three times and then you could swallow it and it was great right but like now i've become disenchanted with chicken mcnuggets and it's kind of it's kind of ruining my 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 um the child inside me it's kind of ruining it to be honest because i feel like i finally understood what it feels like when people like hate sprinkles because sprinkles are like this joyful thing that just only exist to bring people happiness they're just sugar and and like food coloring there's really nothing too offensive about either one but at some point in your life when you're like 30 or like i think when you turn 30 there's just a a switch that gets flipped inside your head that makes it so that you hate sprinkles now because they're like filled with red 40 and like chemicals that give you cancer Um, but at one point in your childhood they were this magical thing that meant that whatever you put them on was instantly became better um and i feel that way with chicken mcnuggets whereas like now when i buy chicken mcnuggets they're just kind of damp weirdly cold um they have really no texture to speak of um and the sauce which i thought used to be really good is actually really bad um and in all in all just starting to kind of resent the fact that i don't like chicken mcnuggets anymore thoughts well um about them being cold uh See, here's a, here's a little life hack for you. All you got to do is, uh, while the manager's not looking, just take one right out of the cabinet, and it'll be super hot, and you can, you know, eat it. How would one, how would one procure a chicken McNugget in this way? 
What what are your, yeah, what are your you, insider tips? You, Not you, to you, say you, that you're an insider, wait. but if you were an insider, what tips would you give? You can actually literally just ask for fresh McNuggets. By the way, you can add, you can do that. You can say like fresh out. I want them fresh out of the grease, and they'll do it. Yeah, but now my adult brain goes like, okay, so since you're making them in this grease, can I can I get it fried in like vegetable oil or something? <laughs> Healthy. Like go to Chick-fil-A or something. I don't know. They don't have Chick-fil-A up here. They only have uh, KFC, Church's Chicken. That's it. And I, I'm fine with chicken tenders, but like there's no convenient location. That's not even true. There is a convenient location right next to where I live, actually. It's only like half a mile out of my way. I'm just too lazy to go to that. That's why I'm complaining about Chicken McNuggets. They don't Chalk have this Chick-fil-A? Up. No, That's we don't. I, I think a lot of places don't have Chick-fil-A. I think you, you've gotten spoiled by having too much Chick-fil-A, even though they don't open on Sunday, but still. I hate that. I hate that so much. It makes but, me mad but that they, have they to are give, not they open have to on give, Sunday. What? They have to give chicken to Jesus. Who else is going to do that? I hate it. It's so annoying because every time I want Chick-fil-A, it's Sunday, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like you wake up in the morning, you know, you dress up, go praise the Lord, you come back. <laughs> You want some Chick-fil-A. What's wrong with For that? For real. Yeah, I, exactly. Praise the Lord. I praise the Lord. Do, 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 do. All right, copyright strike. From okay, this, is, this might be a weird question, but did you have prayer in your school when you were a kid? It's... Uh, uh, there was... Uh, uh, which... Uh, elementary school, no. Uh... Middle school, you could optionally do it if you wanted to, but I think it was only like once a month you could go to it. Or Why was it only okay? So in the high school that I went to, which was run by like, um, like a basically a church. It was run by a, it was like a church run school, right? And and like all the principals and stuff were like, um, like fathers in the church. Um, so they it was like basically it was it was it was kind of standard. Like, um, a lot of schools were run by like churches and like convents and stuff like that um so there was like prayer like every day and i'm not even like religious at all um so before every lunch they like play a a prayer over the pa you have to like just just stand there for a minute and if you don't actively pray like the teacher will look at you like you did something wrong um i think my sister got in trouble once because she refused to pray um and then the teacher's like do you not understand how important it is to pray before you eat food and i'm like oh god oh god what is this that sounds like terrible. Like, oh god, I can't. I can't even imagine that. I would literally. Oh no, I would. I would probably like. I mean, I would probably conform, begrudgingly. But no, actually, see, I, I have a similar experience because when I was in a tenth grade, I stopped standing for the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, because I, uh, you know, distrustful this country. And uh, also, I just felt really uncomfortable standing up. It was weird for me. It felt really cult-like that we do that in America. It feels weird. Uh, it kind of is a cult if you think about it. It's pretty yeah. culty. It's just really weird. And okay, so, so just for reference for people who don't live in the U.S., um, before the start of every day, I think in some places they play the National Anthem and the Pledge of Allegiance. Some places they only do the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, yeah. But they at least do the Pledge of Allegiance every day. And it's basically like this blood oath you take to defend the country in case something yeah. bad happens? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the, and republic, to the republic for, for which, it, for which stands, it stands, one nation, one nation un- under, God, under God, indivisible, indivisible 
with liberty, with liberty and, and justice, for, justice for, all? for all yeah it's yeah. psycho it's actually psycho like, it's kind of nuts n- yeah no one should say that ever this <laughs> it's a terrible terrible thing what's ironic is that i love how like we've gone through like the red stare red scare and all this fear-mongering like uh like uh, distrust of communism and other ideologies that are not our own because we're so close-minded. But yet we say this like ritualistic, weird, like communistic prayer at the beginning of each day. There's some really beautiful irony in that. Yeah, you know? I mean, at the end of the day, all that they were, you know, scaring people with back in the 60s was is that the government is going to control you and make you do stuff while, yeah. you know, making students, you know, controlling yeah. students and making them do things. Yeah, yeah, they're scaring people that the government is going to control them and make them do stuff while the government is controlling them and making them do stuff. America. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I feel the same way about pretty much everything that has to do with July the 4th, right? Yeah. The 4th of July is like an even more ritualistic, like cultish celebration. Because what are you really celebrating? Is that some people somewhere signed a, you know, a thing that now meant that certain portion in a portion of the population could vote and like most of most people could still not vote so really like the independence like when you say america is 250 years old or whatever um or it declared its independence 250 years ago um for most people that hasn't been the case for most people it's been like in the past 100 years that they've been independent um mm-hmm. so i feel like yeah. in reality like when they gave women the vote was like in the 19 whatevers it's like 70 years old at this point. It's like one extremely grumpy old man old. Yeah. See, here's the thing. Like, one kid said to me one time, she was like, you know, why don't you stand for the Pledge of Allegiance? You know, people died so that you could stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. And I was just like, no, people died so that I could have the choice to not do that. Like, the whole con- like the whole point, ostensibly, supposedly, of America is that we have all this freedom, right? So then why is there this culture around celebrating America as a body? It's like it's like it's like the antithesis of the concept, right? There's all this pressure to like support um everything that is giving you the freedom and that ostensibly makes it so that you are essentially like uh like worshiping the state and that is exactly what the the system is supposedly against. But it's not really. You see what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you're if you're all forced to do one thing, is that really freedom at the end of the day? Ex- we're, yeah, exactly. Uh, some yeah. someone is already typing out in the comments like you liberal cucks, cucktards, whatever. Whatever. I am. I'm fine that's with basically that. what I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And oh my god. Okay. So like, have you seen the Owen Wilson movie Behind Enemy Lines? No. I don't know what okay. that is. So there's this movie with with weirdly Owen Wilson playing like a war hero kind of um, where he's like a paratrooper that gets stuck, I think, behind v- like the Vietnamese lines or like some maybe Nazi lines. It's in a war, some war. Um, and he gets stuck behind enemy lines. And the whole movie is about him like making his way out. Um, I haven't actually seen I don't remember this movie. I don't remember if I haven't actually seen it or if I saw it and I just don't remember it anymore. I just know that's the premise of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. This is how I feel about you. You're like stuck behind enemy lines, but you're like an Owen Wilson type <laughs> <laughs> trying to escape, make your way out of like uh, the enemy territory, but you're like trapped. I think he dies at the end of the movie. So I don't know if that's a good thing. I, maybe he makes it. I, I Like I said, I don't remember this movie at all. Why was Owen Wilson in that role? That's the best thing about it. 
That's what makes it, is it Owen, so. It is Owen Wilson, right? Yeah, it is. That's what yes, makes it, it so is. Perfect. Okay, it is. Okay, so this movie came out in two thousand one. <laughs> A space odyssey. Okay, okay. So it wasn't World War Two. It was, it was Bosnia. He shot down over yeah. Bosnia. Um, and the whole movie is about him getting rescued. Not okay. uh, and he, he escapes and they rescue him at the same time. So that's what it's about, really. <laughs> that's amazing. What? How did you come in contact with this movie? I'm curious. Like, what made you watch this? I don't know. I'm I'm an old 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 guy. Uh, I I just know all these weird. For some reason, I know all these like late '80s and '90s media that really I shouldn't have even seen because I was I grew up in the 2000s basically. Mm-hmm. I was only conscious in the 2000s. So, but so for some reason, I know all about these like weird stuff. Just because I don't. I think it's because. I saw him on TV. I was, I was trying to like think where would I have seen this? Probably on DVD or something. Huh. I do, you rem- do, you rem- do you remember when Netflix used to send DVDs to people? Yes, I did. I actually, um, I, okay, you know what? You know what? I'm going to flex my boomer cred here because I, not only do I remember when Netflix used to send DVDs to people, but I had a huge VHS tape collection and DVD collection. I had like um, almost all the uh, 60s Scooby-Doo series on VHS. I had the first two Pokemon movies. I had a lot of the Sonic X anime on VHS. And I had a ton of Tom and Jerry on VHS. So, I, you know, I'm basically as boomer as you can get nowadays. Okay. To, to add even more boomer cred to this, um, when I was in seventh grade, I had a, a, a little, like my dad got really into buying stuff from, the, from Goodwill. So he bought, this is, it's weird. Um, so he bought like this tiny, like seven inch or 10 inch TV. It's like tiny. And then he would just get all these VHS tapes. Like I've seen basically every late seventies and eighties movie that was of cultural importance on VHS. Um, really? yeah, That's like cool. Rocky, all the Rockies, like there's like five Rocky movies, all of those, all of star Wars, um, like uh like basically anything you can think of i saw like even late 90s like men in black uh all, all those movies i saw in vhs it was weird it was really weird and i don't know what inspired him to do this um but he did it and i ended up watching all this stuff and i and i was a like i was a i've always been a, a fat kid like growing up so the the motivation for this was that they they bought a treadmill to try to make me not fat anymore um, and they like said, you can walk on this treadmill and w- while you do that, you can watch these movies. <laughs> well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It didn't work though. It didn't work at all because like, it, like everyone knows now, or they should, if they don't, uh, weight loss is like 90% nutrition. So it didn't matter at the end of the day. Uh, but it was fun while it lasted, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay. So something related to this. So I was disgusted at my normie job. When I heard the the norm the norm the normos the normies, so this is one girl who's like, "What y'all know about the Nintendo Wii? Y'all don't know nothing about Sonic, Mario. Y'all don't remember that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You 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 remember the PS2? Y'all don't know nothing about that. You remember DVDs? Yeah, y'all don't know nothing about that. This, this girl was like, 20, and I'm just, and I, she was like, "What do you know about the PSP, the Game Boy?" And I'm just sitting here like. Okay, listen, you normie. I have a PSP. 
I have a Game Boy sitting on my desk right now. And I had just, like you should have just all pulled it out of the special tapes. flap in your underwear where you keep your Game Boy. <laughs> and you've been like, what do you what, what do you mean what do you mean what do I know? Here's one right now. Suck on this. Bro, I I, I wrote a ten thousand page lecture on Sonic the Hedgehog. Or a ten thousand word lecture on oh, Sonic God. the Hedgehog. At some point we're gonna have to do that at some point, right? We have to. Dude, I you know you you have no idea how much I think about that in my waking day. Like I haven't forgot about it. Like, wait, I think I okay. actually deleted it. Accidentally. Oh boy, don't do, don't. Okay, that that just means like my friend who writes this book over and over again. You have to write this all over again. I'm fine with that. I mean, I think I think. Wait, no, hold on. It might be on my somewhere, but I think I'm literally might have deleted it a long time ago accidentally. But um. Either way, if I didn't, I'm, I'm just rewriting it and doing it again because we're going to do it at some point. But Matt has to be in it because um, he's going to help me with uh, some of the later games that I don't have as much experience with, like Sonic 06. Uh, and uh, wait, is that the only one I don't have much experience with? I think it is. <laughs> Maybe you should just get experience <laughs> with that. Then you'd be like done. I don't want to buy an Xbox 360 to play it. I don't, I don't want to. Is that the only? Okay, so... Recently, speaking of Xbox 360s, let's go to the PS3 generation real quick. So it turns out that only a few PS3 models are, you know, backwards compatible with PS2 discs. Yeah. And those fucking PS3s cost like 200 bucks. The one I saw was like $500 because I'm with you. Oh my God. I was like, Sony, you're so dumb. Just release a PS2 classic, make it able to play PS2 games and I'll buy that. I don't care. I have all these games. I can't even play anymore because my PS2 doesn't work because the freaking disc, disc tray stopped working just like every other PS2 out there. Can't say Wait. I took that good care of it, but I mean, it doesn't work now, but Wait, I have all these on. discs. Just buy another PS2. Yeah, I mean, I could do that, but like, I'm fine. this is 2019. Why would I want to buy only a PS2 when I could also play PS3 games? Because I never had a PS3. So... I mean, if, you, if you're going backwards, you might as well, you know, make it all the way to 2019 instead of just getting stuck in 2007 or whatever. Yeah, I agree. Because I, I did this uh, a while ago, too. I was like, huh, okay, I kind of want a PS2, but I kind of want a PS3. Oh, wait, weren't they weren't they backwards compatible at one point in one of the earlier models? And so I looked it up and it was like $500 on eBay. What the heck? This is so dumb. Why hasn't someone hacked this? Like, the PSP was so hacked, you could literally run, like, DS games on it. Why can't we hack the PS3 to run PS2 games? Yeah, for real. Wait, can you can can you just get a PS2 and just, like, load, like, somehow, like, install a memory card to where it just has all the games? I don't think so. Because I Maybe. feel like... I feel like that might be possible. Does does the PS2 have USB drives on the it? The PS2 does have USB ports. I was just cr- cleaning out my room recently. That's how I know this. I have a broken PS2 in my closet right now. Um, it does have USB ports, but I'm pretty sure that's for like weird controllers. No, but even if it is for weird controllers, you can use it to hack stuff. Probably. Maybe. This is where we don't know enough about the homebrew PS2 scene to speak on this. With a Wii, you can literally just plug in a uh, SD card and uh, yeah. boom, you can pirate everything. I literally am doing that right now. I haven't bought a single Wii game. The only thing I bought was two Wii motes, and now I have you know a bunch of Wii games. Are um, you playing uh, Monster Hunter on the Wii? Is that why you bought it? No, I didn't. I, I, I bought uh, the Wii to play Mario Kart just because it's probably the best party game ever invented. So 
you know, got to keep the masses happy somehow. Oh, did you? So, um, did you ever play uh, Mario Galaxy? Because that's one of the. Oh, I have it downloaded. I, I just started it up like a few times and then I just didn't get time to progress through it. Um, but I feel like I'll just be better off. I wish they made like a Super Mario Sunshine HD or something. They probably did. I just don't know about it. Well, you can um, you can hack GameCube. It's more complicated. And I, dude, I forget all the steps, all the steps to do this. But you can actually put uh, GameCube games, hacked GameCube games on the Wii too. But it is more complex. Yeah, but I feel like GameCube games are so easy to emulate at this point. I could just put them on my computer. Yeah, well, I'm just saying that in case you want, like, uh, in case you want to plug in the controller and have a more console experience, I guess, whatever. I don't know. But you can plug GameCube controllers to the PC, too, I think. A lot of people swear by the GameCube GameCube controller, but I only ever played it at my friend's house. So I never really got, like, that attached to it. Um, I was all Sony all the way in my childhood, so I'm very used to the, you know, triangle, square, circle, cross. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, even, I, I, I didn't even think the Xbox controller was good until I got one for the uh, PC, just because it's the easiest one to use with PC. And it, it turns out it's actually really good. Who knew? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I honestly think the GameCube controller thing is, it's not it's not overrated, but it's it's kind of, like, exaggerated a little bit, because... The GameCube controller is a good controller, but I mean, I find the P- PS3 controller and the Switch Pro controllers, and I even found the Wii Pro controller back in the day to be just as good. I don't know. Whatever. Doesn't the Wii Pro controller basically look exactly like the Switch Pro controller? Yeah, very similar. Very They're just similar. different colors, right? Well, this, I, the Switch one is better form factor and better build, basically. Yeah. I, I, okay, speaking of marketing schemes... Do you think they made the buttons on the Switch intentionally small so people would have to buy the Pro Controller? Uh, well, yes, but also I, I, I actually I actually find the Joy-Cons to be amazing, and they're what I use most of the time. But yes, because I feel like they figured a, a certain type of gamer would be in that mindset to where they had to buy the Pro Controller. Okay, speaking of the Switch, do you want to make... I feel like we should wrap up soon, but do you want to make a, a comment on the Switch Lite? Um, it looks uh, it looks pointless because it doesn't have gyro, and so to beat Breath of the Wild, you will have to spend $90 on a Pro Controller or $90 on Joy-Cons, essentially making it the same price as a normal Switch, and at that point, why not just buy a normal Switch? There you go. Yeah. Okay. So yep. so you're saying it's just a baby toy for babies. Exactly. But like the babies are going to want to play Zelda. So, well, I, I guess they won't care about beating all the dungeons that you need the gyro for. So yeah, it's a baby toy. Do you think, oh wait, this might be still the final topic, but here, do you think that like the, the new generation actually cares about Zelda? Do, okay. What, what section of the new generation? Maybe like, say you were born in 2006, so you're like 13 now, maybe 2005, so you're 13, 14 now. Um, what Zelda games have actually come out in your lifetime that would have made you, you know, so attached to Zelda that you want to play Breath of the Wild? Uh, probably none of them. I don't think the new generation really cares about Zelda, probably. Unless you're, unless you're a kid who is really into gaming history, um, then you won't care. Because I, cause I, thinking back, you're right. Uh, when I was little... 
Zelda Twilight Princess and uh, uh, Wind Waker uh, came out, and that's how I started to care about Zelda. And then um, somebody's friend brought over the Zelda uh, collection disc for GameCube that has uh, Majora's Mask and uh, Ocarina of Time and the first two Zelda games, and that's kind of how I got into gaming history and how I started to play older games and stuff. And I also had a Super Nintendo and a Sega Genesis at one point and an N64, so I got into gaming history. But um, unless you're a kid nowadays who's really into gaming history, I don't think you have a reason to be into Zelda because, uh, what, what is it? Uh, the, the, the one before Breath of the Wild was bad. Uh, Skyward Sword, yeah, that game sucks, so... And that was for the Wii, so it's like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You're right. I mean, the, the, it's for the Wii. It wasn't even for the Wii U. No, it wasn't for the Wii U. The only Zelda Yikes. game for the Wii U was Breath of the Wild, which also released on the Switch. So yeah, yeah. it released on the Switch first, and they just made it like retroactively with the Wii U, right? It's like when they release uh, the new COD game for like Xbox 360 or whatever. They were both at a very similar time frame, actually. The, I think, yeah. The, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, basically. Looking looking at this timeline of Zelda games, Skyward Sword came out in 2011, Twilight Princess came out in 2006, and Wind Waker HD came out in 2013. I think. So. Yeah. There's I don't really know. Like I feel like that's that's the case with a lot of game franchises these days. Like Final Fantasy. Like which young kids are playing Final Fantasy now? Basically none. I mean, like. Well, the new one, Final Fantasy Fifteen, which is like awful, but like that, that might attract some of the younger generation because it's like an open world game, maybe, but not really. I don't know. Because I, I'm thinking because my friend, who from high school, he's like a little bit older than me. He's like uh, two years older than me, and he got into Final Fantasy with Final Fantasy Fifteen. Because it, it might as well not be an RPG at this point. It's basically just an open world action game. And that's the reason he got into it. But even still, he's from sort of my generation. So I feel like the, the, like the 13 to 14 year olds of today wouldn't even be into that. Because, I mean, he only got into that game because he knew about the Final Fantasy lineage. Kids, the 13 year old kids nowadays aren't going to care about Final Fantasy. So they're just going to play the other open world games yeah cool okay um you want to wrap up this episode yeah and um cool yeah uh all right well that was episode whatever of coast town we're actually making episodes again weekly um so look forward to that i guess uh okay thank you for listening and we'll see you next week see you next week Mm -hmm.